Hello and welcome to the week that really was for the week ending the 23rd of February 2024. My name is John McGurk. Her name is Sarah Ryan. How are you, Sarah? I'm grand. I can't complain. I've had a good week. Oh, you well, came for dinner. Wasn't that fun? Well, that was the highlight. It kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> good. Um, That's a compliment. But it was, a, it was an eventful week. I, I I was on the front page of the Village magazine, as you know, uh, on, on Saturday, actually the same morning I was in your house for dinner, um, being denounced as some kind of hateful race baiter. So that was interesting. I think they were desperately eager for me to sue them. Um, but I and decided, are you going to? No. Yeah. No. Um, because I, I checked their, because I'm a mercenary, I checked their I checked their financials to see whether they'd be worth suing. And no, they're not. And I think they desperately want to be sued. I think they desperately want to get me um, into court so they can like go digging around in Grip's finances and you know make themselves into being martyrs and you know they're being sued by a horrible right winger. Uh, and at the end of the day, if I won, they'd probably just say they couldn't pay my costs or the damages anyway. So um, it seems also, to me like a bit of a fool's errand, so I decided I'd avoid it. Also, it's kind of funny to me how many people said it, said to me this week that they thought the village had stopped existing ages ago and like basically made the village relevant for a week so that, you know. Yeah, it's flattering in its own way. People yeah. apparently think my face will sell magazines, which is not something I would have ever said, but there you go. Um, and then, of course, it went on. Um, and we're going to talk about a few things in this podcast, but but uh, you know, th- then my 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 star reporter got blanked by the Taoiseach mm-hmm. at a press conference. That was fascinating. Uh, in something that's been viewed three million times on on Twitter or X, formerly Twitter alone, um, and another, I think, seventy thousand times on Instagram and fifty thousand times on TikTok or something, it generated a huge reaction, which I didn't think it would, including from the Taoiseach himself. Um, who got asked about it today on Highland Radio and basically said that uh, he had, as well as Village Magazine, he had a pop list. He said that we were agenda-driven and asked disingenuous questions and no one knew who funded us and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's been a it's been a bit, like I, I kind of feel like we've gotten a few pickings this week um, and they don't bother me, but honestly, it's exhausting responding to them. Yeah. Well, let's start with that then, John. Like, well, I mean, I'm kind of getting a bit sort of tired of it. Like, Gript has been around now for a while. And Gript, you know, talks about lots of different things and asks questions. Like, it's so unbelievably transparent that Leo's petulant response about Gript. Because Gript, and particularly Ben, is the person who shows up at the most of the political conference or press conferences, ask questions that the rest of the guys just aren't bothering to ask and that's really what Leo's problem is yeah and the other thing is I mean there's a fundamental point here there's a fundamental point here which is that I don't care if he doesn't agree with us I don't care if he thinks we're agenda driven we are taxpayers too Our our, our readers are taxpayers too they have the same rights to have their issues addressed as anybody who reads the Irish Times or the Irish Independent and I don't care, even if you think we are a minority who only represent 5% or less of the population, and I think it's more than that, but even if that's what you think, those people have a right to have their issues addressed. And for him to say, as he did today, oh, they asked, trying to bring in extraneous issues into the referendum, bullshit. Ben was about to ask a question about something his own Minister for yeah. Communications, ever she is, said, which was explicitly contradicted by the Electoral Commission when she said, oh, it's about it's about the Constitution saying women are in the home, and that's not true. And then the Electoral Commission said, no, that's not what the Constitution says. And we were going to ask him, because he's the same, I, I was going to use a bad word, he's the same guy who will stand up there and lecture the public about misinformation and disinformation and the risks of fake news. And then his own cabinet minister does it, and he can't even be bothered to answer a question about it. And then this line, oh, the press conference was over. The press conference was being run by a Fine Gael press officer. Who, and, and we were not the only people he ignored. We were just the only ones to tweet about it. Barry White from News Talk, who's also coincidentally asked some fairly difficult questions of government ministers in relation to immigration, for example, was also unable to get a question in. An Irish independent reporter who asked a question about um, a fairly humiliating result for Leo Varadkar at the Dublin um, selection convention of the European Parliament had the head taken off it by the Taoiseach, uh, who accused her of, of all sorts of... So, so, I mean, this guy doesn't have any room to talk. And if he wants to be, as you say, petulant, let him be petulant. We're going to keep doing our job. We're going to keep asking questions. And if he does not respect, you know, the taxpayers of this country enough to answer questions 
that come from a particular perspective that many of them share, then that says a lot more about him than it does about us. But I even go further because we've had loads of conversations before about how this, you know, people across the spectrum of different political parties that I, you know, have a huge amount of time for and I, 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 you know, think are smart and some of them I don't agree with. You know, there's also other people I think are complete dum-dums, but like we'll get to that another to- at another point. But, you know, I have a certain degree of respect for the fact that Leo Varadkar is the Taoiseach of the country and all, but I'm sorry, the absolute neck, like the neck of him to go onto the radio and say that kind of stuff about grip and to ignore Ben Scannon when he's asking questions. Like it just shows how far from the reservation he's gone to think that he can do that. And that's and to like the just the neck of him to say that we're agenda driven and we don't know where the funding, whatever. You just don't want to ask hard questions because you're still caught up in a little silo, a little group of all of your little cronies in Leinster House who all tell you that you're special and better than everybody else and nobody asks you any hard questions. You're in your little bubble and you don't want to be asked hard things because, you know, that might interfere. You still think you're the Taoiseach of only your friends and people who agree with you and you're the Taoiseach of everyone. And if you don't like it, well, then piss off and get another job. By the way, what a week for him to talk about funding transparency. Yeah, exactly. But that's like the neck, like the neck of him. I mean, I I have, and and they've been aired on this podcast, I have my disagreements with the guys at the ditch. And and it's fair to say that Grit and the ditch have a very fundamentally different outlook on the world on many issues. Yeah, but we have some commonalities as well. uh, Yeah, but their story, and in fairness to them, they did the legwork, they got the story, They've, they've taken civil to court to get these letters from the T-shirt. He's had to he's had to apologise for what he called an embarrassing lapse in having to take three goes of revealing his own political donations for I think the year twenty twenty two. The documents that have been released are redacted to within an inch of their lives. Um, so for him to talk about transparency in funding for anybody else, I mean, give me a break. Have a little teeny bit of self awareness. And I mean, it, it, you must have to into your toes to summon up all of the audacity in your body to do that, really. Mm. Well, by the time this goes out, um, I'm sending Ben along to an event by the Minister for Justice tomorrow morning, um, and Ben's going to ask about, about this issue, because in fairness, I think I think Gav Riley asked in a, in a written question to the Department of Pishuk, in fairness to him, but no one has put the ditches scoop to a senior member of the government as of yet um, that I'm aware of. If somebody out there has done it, I apologise, but, but I'm aware of and ask them directly to comment on. So we're going to do that tomorrow because it's it's scandalous, really. Um, you know, this, 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 the whole base, the Standards and Public Office Commission, it's not exactly an organisation that's full of teeth. Like mm. it's, it's, and I've written about this. It, it's set up in such a way that it's very easy for politicians to comply with. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, to just have to take three goals to carry donations for a year. I mean, that looks very bad. Um, it looks very bad, I think, because because it suggests that on, on two occasions, SIP will have to go back to you and say, we, we don't buy what you're selling here. And he's had to say it's embarrassing. So, yeah, I'm not going to take lectures about funding. And for the record, just in case anyone is wondering, you listen to this and saying, well, well, you might care what he thinks, but what about what we think? Grit is entirely 100% reader fund. That is a matter of public record. At the beginning, we received some startup capital from the Life Institute that's been reported on. We do not receive ongoing funding from them. We are entirely funded by reader subscriptions, which have grown exponentially in the last two years. And in fact, just this week, actually, I was in I was in Dublin again on Tuesday, uh, making another fundraising video to ask people to give us more money, which I hate doing. I really hate doing it. But it's necessary because the alternative is that we become funded by somebody else and do start answering somebody else's agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, but, but but don't let the truth get in the way of a good waffle from Leo. So yeah, and by the way, there's another thing. This this whole business about funding, it it it's the it's the question that you know it's it's set up in such a way that you can never answer it because you say we're reader funded. They then say, oh, give us proof. The only way we can give them proof is to give them a list of all the people who's, who who give you money, and then what happens? They go after those people. You know, Joe Bloggs down in Cavan is giving gripped fifty euro a month. You know. Uh, and he happens to be a relatively prominent person who owns a business in the town. Oh, we should boycott him. 
and by the way, people who donate have a have a have a, a or take out a subscription. You don't see the Irish Times, which also sells subscriptions, providing a list of their subscribers, do you? So it's it's set up in such a way that you can never answer the question. It's a it's a it's a trick to try and say, oh, well, you're hiding something all the time, unless you you, you open your accounts to forensic scrutiny and put people who, who give you money um you know, at risk of of being attacked. So, but it's also kind of a red her- herring. Like the accusation is kind of. So Leo goes onto the radio and says, and is asked about walking off the stage and not answering a question from Ben Scanlon about the fact that his minister is spreading misinformation about a referendum. And instead he makes it a conversation about where Grip gets their funding from, because that's an easy little, you know, kind of nonsense story for him to, to think instead of addressing the actual fundamental question and the question about his referendum and his minister, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's, I mean, it's so obvious. Yeah, it is. And, you know, there'll be some people who fall for it because there always are. And there will be, you know, there will be Finnegale loyalists out there who take a side and that's absolutely fine. And there'll be other people who just don't like us. And, you know, that's all fine too. But what I, I reiterate what I said, whether you agree or disagree with the people who we gripped and whose views we try to represent, they are taxpaying citizens of this republic like everybody else. And they have a right to have their views heard at the top table by politicians like everybody else and we're not going to stop what we're doing because i think that's really important anyway you want to talk about Hall martin who's apparently been saying things about the referendum today and all subjects on all subjects uh referendum referenda hmm. yeah so Hall came out today and said that um basically that the definition around family should reflect current realities and 42 percent of children born in 2022 were born to an unmarried couple and by voting yes on March March eighth, we're simply saying that we want to cherish all children and all family units equally. Not lovely. Is that available stitched on a pillow in bullshit house? Like, do you know what I mean? What the hell is that? Did we not already have a referendum on the rights of children? Yeah, we did. That was passed. We did, but also, also, so, like, I mean, it's just so many things. Head is going to explode. First of all. How is how is saying that durable relation like there's a couple of things, right? You could also say that the children in uh, by voting yes, you're also making vulnerable the children of of marriages because when daddy's having an affair with Mary from around the corner, Mary and daddy's relationship is now durable and Mary has a claim to the estate of your of daddy when he dies. That's not really cherishing those che- children as equal, is it? Did you see on that very topic, did you see Thomas Byrne on uh, on on or see the other night. I didn't. I didn't see. It, I, saw, those, I saw the clip afterwards. Kind of one of those things that it's given me such bad PTSD that I'm trying to. I'm trying to block it out of my soul forever, so that I. It, I, I. I had to. Cl- I slammed the. La- I was watching on my laptop and I slammed it shut and just cringed so hard. But just to finish on me, Martin. That's. It's such emotive crap, and it's. I don't know if it's like I I I'd love to think it's a sign they're kind of starting to panic. I knew they were going to go on these kind of emotional like things or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's simply drivel, drivel, like children and 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 all family units equally is a nonsense. People like at the end of the day, John. Another thing that I that isn't really being discussed that much about the referendum as well is that you also have a right not to get married, as in. That your like your choice not to get married might be a thought out choice that you don't want the relationship you're in to have those kind of rights, if you know what I mean. So for argument's sake, you get married, you have four children, your wife dies, and then you enter into a long term relationship after the fact. And you choose not to get married in that relationship because you don't want that relationship to have, you know, a claim to your assets that you want to leave to your children. That's a very good point make that active choice like some people are in durable relationships and don't want those durable relationships to have legal standing and make that choice consciously i know people i specifically know of people my age whose mothers or fathers have died whose parents are in or the living parent is in a new relationship and they're not getting married so that's a choice as well and like Yes, of course. Okay, forty-two percent of children born in in twenty twenty-two were born to unmarried couples or whatever. But like, I'll ask the question: If like, why don't you get married? Do you know what I mean? Like, 
like if you're if you want the legal rights and the and the protections and the things that go with marriage, get married. Exactly. Like, we had a whole referendum on same sex marriage that was exactly about this. It was about extending the right to enter marriages to everybody. Yeah. And because now, uh, because we believe that those things that those things had value, and now we want to just diminish like diminish the whole thing by saying, well, you know, actually now we'll just apply these rights to durable und- as yet undefined relationships. So. So why, like, okay, like I had children before I was married and there was a reason why that happened. And that was because my now husband was was separated and was not yet married. And we waited and the minute we could get married, we got married because we wanted to be married. Like a great wedding it was. Thank you. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, you, like you, you can't like, you can't just open the whole concept of marriage up and, and pretend that that's giving children rights. It's going to cause absolute chaos in terms of inheritance, in terms of tax, in terms of the, just society in general, like claims on, on estates from uh, extramarital affairs, things like that. Like it's not been thought out. And to your point, the way that we the way how we know it's not been thought out is Thomas Byrne. With all due respect to him. I mean, it was an imploding, absolute, imploding is, is, what, is what he did. It was horrific to watch because. He was up. He was on uh, the Tonight Show against Patter Tobin, or was it Prime Time? One of them. Um, it was neither. It was. Uh, it was. It was up front with Katie Hannon. Up front with Katie Hannon. I always get mixed up. Anyway, it was up front with Katie Hannon. It was Patter Tobin and Thomas Byrne, and he was asked a series of questions, and Patter Tobin was very good, and Patter Tobin was talking about, um, you know, what about couples who, um, are you know, broken up. So like they're they're married, they split up, and then the the one of them gets into a new relationship. They're not divorced, they're in a new relationship. And Thomas was like, but that happens all the time. Well we know that happens all the time. But what's the status of the new relationship? Well, I don't know what the question is. I, I, I don't know what you're asking me here. We're asking you if that new relationship has the same legal status as the marriage, which is now broken up but not legally dissolved. But you're like, I don't understand what you're asking me. That happens all the time. Like, it was, like, Katie Hannon started laughing. Like, if you're a government minister and you're going on TV and you can't answer that, that that's your, these guys uh, haven't thought about this at all. We are now in a situation where a referendum is being put to the public that nobody really thought about the long-term consequences of. That's why Supreme Court justices, former minister for justice like me, Michael McDowell, are all coming out against it because nobody thought about the long-term plan. All they were thinking of was satisfying some NGOs and lobbying them for some kind of relevant nonsense to make themselves relevant for years. This is this is the gift they're giving them. And no one thought about the long-term consequences, which is chaos for family law. Chaos. Well, I, you know what I find very funny about all this is I always like to do thought experiments about going back in time. And I, I, I would just like to put this to you. Imagine we went back 2015 during the same-sex marriage referendum and some poor Egypt like me or David Quinn or whoever I mean I was in favour of same-sex marriage but let's say I wasn't in favour let's say I went on television at the time and said well, we don't actually have to extend uh, marriage to gay people what we should do is just recognise marriage and other durable relationships and that would cover them as well yeah. Yeah. you would have been denounced from on high as a homophobe yeah. And, uh, and 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 you know, the only some, way and, we can show children that we love them. Yeah, and now it's the only way we can show children that we love them. These people don't know their arse from their elbow, or they do, and they're just relying. I mean, look, I am getting to the point where I I, I really think that the referendum is not because uh, it's not just a test of you know our understanding of the constitution. It's a test of our basic self-respect vis-a-vis politicians. Like, if you're going to listen to this bullshit. And, and internalize it and then endorse it. Yeah, I, I think it's becoming a matter of basic intelligence and cognitive ability, at least in relation to that referendum. The, the women in the home one, there are issues with that as well, but they're not as they're not as egregious because let's face it, that clause is meaningless now and it's going to be meaningless afterwards. Yeah, so one has one has consequences and one has no consequences and and, and you know pretend consequences for fake problems that somebody made up. So the women in the home one fine. I mean, I chose to stay at home for the last seven or eight years. I'm planning on going back to work next year to, you know, be at home for kids. That's a conscious choice that Keith and I made. 
I like the fact that the constitution acknowledges that there's a contribution being made by that to society by doing that, et cetera, et cetera. But it's never stopped me from working. It won't stop me from going back to work. And it's a bit of a kind of a nonsense, um, like woke, you know, I, I do find it very funny. I, what, I, what I find very funny about that campaign is all the great and the good women who reached very high levels in Irish society uh, telling us that this constitutional amendment keeps women in their box. Yeah. You know, so, so yes, thank you. Thank you, lady who runs a, you know, a, a million euro NGO and earns six figures a year telling us how the constitution has oppressed you. But yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that, please. So, so I'm voting against it on the basis of the fact that it's 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 nonsense and it's self-indulgent, um, and it's a waste of twenty million. And also, uh, and also, I I think it's like worse than that as a woman because there are things, there are things in day-to-day life that affect women disproportionately to men, and one would expect in some kind of functional, non-mental world that people like the National Women's Council of Ireland might consider and address some of those issues particularly. But no, 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 no. Let's have a let's put all of our resources and all of our effort into taking this archaic language out of the Constitution because someone's feelings were hurt. And let's have it on National Women's Day because that's the best day ever. And let's not do anything about anything else that affects women's lives in a real that would be scary work and hard so let's just do this instead and then pat ourselves all on the back because we're freedom fighters for women yay do you know what's going to be really interesting now that you've just you've just given me a thought the other way in ireland um when we have a referendum or an election campaign do you know and, and people who are politicos like you and me will immediately know what i'm talking about but other people might not do you know the moratorium yeah uh, the moratorium for those who don't know it's basically for the last oh, i think it's 36 hours before polls open um, the media are, are, are banned from talking about the referendum. You're not allowed to talk about it. And all during polling day, all you can do is report on turnout. You can't, you can't engage in any debates. You can't have anyone on the air arguing for a yes or a no vote. And most media stations just blank out coverage of the referendum or the general election altogether. Well, that's going to really impact the coverage of, of International Women's Day because usually International Women's Day from morning to night is just the media going on and on and on about it being International Women's Day, but it's very hard to do that when there's yeah. a referendum. Hmm? Yeah. Every cloud. Every cloud has a silver lining. We got a day off or a year off on National Women's Day. Speaking of National Women's Day, did you did you see the uh, the great night out that was had in Belfast during the week by, by women? Yeah, go we on. Have to, we'll have to talk about this. I don't really want to talk about it, but like the uh, this was in the Devonish Inn in Belfast at a at a at a, a, a ladies' night out, which featured. Um, I love the way it's called the Dev at the Devonish Inn, the ladies' night out. It sounds like the beginning of Pride and Prejudice, and then it doesn't end. Well, you know, there is Pride and Prejudice, maybe, but it doesn't end that way. Go on. Yes. Yeah, so uh, on Saturday. February 17th, which was actually the same night I was having dinner in your house. This is how boring we are. The UK yeah. Pleasure Boys brought their tour, it's called the XXL Tour, to the Devonish Complex in, fin- I don't know, uh, people from Belfast can tell me whether it's pronounced Finnegy or Finnaki. But uh, in any case, um, somebody brought their camera along. And what they caught on camera was um, unconventional, we put it that way. Um, so, so if, if one was to watch the video, one would quickly find out why it was called the XXL tour. Um, and are they uh, strippers? Uh, men. Yes, the, the the men were are strippers, so they were fully naked, um, and um, some of them were helicoptering their bits and pieces around. There were various women dancing around with them. There were things being thrust into women's faces, all sorts of. Um, apparently jolly good fun. And uh, anyway, we don't want to go into the details of the event more than we have to, but the reaction to it has been, I think, quite interesting because in Northern Ireland, there's been this question of, of, of whether Northern Ireland is now a prudish place because, you know, I think Belfast City Council is investigating the event and obviously various sort of unionist politicians have been 
it's talking about what a disgrace it is. And everyone else has been saying, oh, you know, it's it's prudish, you know, it's the modern world. Let the ladies have some fun. So before I give you my opinion, what's yours? I don't know, actually. I mean, on the one hand, it's like, I don't care. I mean, what people are doing, to be honest. Like, I've never really understood, like, any of that Chippendales women, men stripper thing, personally. I just, you know, I think it's, it doesn't, I don't get it. Um, Like, I, I get, I think I get that men go to strip clubs and I've never really cared about that either as in like I don't I think women get very upset about men going to strip clubs and I think it's kind of comedic because you think the last place a man is going to actually engage physically with a woman is a strip club ironically enough but um Mm, but that's not the point though is it no it's not I I don't get it but I think you're right in the sense that if it was the other way around, like it looks like from stills that I've seen, I didn't actually watch the videos, but it looks like from stills that I've seen that it got pretty chaotic. Um, so on the one hand, there's a lot of moralizing about it. I'm not sure I really care. On the other hand, I think if the roles were reversed, people would be outraged. So I'm sort of on the fence, I suppose. I'm not sure how it's like this. It's funny, it's funny you know, because you and I have known each other for long enough for, for me to be able to rely on you to vouch for me to say that, that I am not in any way approved. And nor I think are you. Um, like we are when it comes to this stuff, we're both reasonably open-minded. But but that said, I actually with the women who think that female strip clubs, as in where there are female performers, are a bit gross. Like I think they're a bit gross. I remember years ago being on the board of a college society in, in Trinity, or maybe I wasn't on the board at the time. I was involved as involved enough in the event to know that. There was a guy who was a British diplomat, and I won't say anything more than that. Not particularly, not a household name, but he was prominent at the time. Who came to a debate in Dublin um, that the society had organised, and then it demanded afterwards to be taken to a strip club. And I, I, I didn't attend, but um, a couple of the, a couple of the young lads went along with him, and were kind of grossed out by the whole thing. This sort of middle-aged man going along to to watch women dance topless in front of him. And I've always I've always thought it's a little bit gross because it it it, it is it is sexual objectification. And you're literally saying I you know, want to go along and look at nude ladies and pay them to jiggle their bits in my face. It's it's a, it's a step down from prostitution. Um, but I, I in the case of the the Devonish thing, I I just say to people if the shoe was on the other foot. If the footage had been reversed and this was a bunch of married middle-aged dads, I'm not saying all the women there were married middle-aged or mothers, but some of them certainly were, um, going along to uh, with kind of well-endowed young women jiggling their bits in their faces, and this was on video and it had happened. I mean, the, the politics of this would be completely reversed. Completely mm-hmm. reversed. And all the people saying, oh, it's only a bit of fun. We'll be talking about the sort of sexual objectification of women and toxic masculinity and all of that stuff. And I just think there's a double standard there. And I actually think the double standard here is favoring women in a way that it shouldn't. I, 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 I'm going to say I'm no prude, but I watched the video and I thought it was gross, gross. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, by the way, none of the women who are at the event have come out to say, oh, it was all a bit of fun. They're embarrassed by it. They should be, I think, personally. Yeah, I don't think any of them expected that it was a video that was going to go so viral. Now, in fairness to them, no, they didn't. That's uh, a, that's a, a very a very fair point. Anyway, we'll leave it there and talk about another woman who who I thought embarrassed herself a little bit at the, uh, over the weekend. Um, who was the the lady who's going to come along and build fifty thousand homes a year? Oh God, hard cringe, hard cringe. What did you make about the social of the Social Democrats conference in general? I mean, I think how do I say this? I think there's a lot of people who really liked Holly Kearns and really liked the Social Democrats and, you know, what they were about and who had high hopes. Um, but I think that, unfortunately for Holly, the kind of, the you know, when you get into the leadership position, you know, if you're not experienced and you're a bit naive and you don't have the policy, you know, good policy or, you know, just a good kind of like, plan for the future of Ireland that people can get behind uh, it starts to show and I think it's starting to show and I think it's unbelievably disingenuous and naive 
you know, and we had this exact conversation about Ivana Batchik when she was, what did Labour say they were going to build? A million oh, houses or something? A million houses over 10 years, so 100,000 a year. So, well, so she's only saying half of that. But I just think that people see through this kind of stuff now, and I think it's really disingenuous. Like, you're just plucking a number out of the air. You, there's no consequence. You know, you're not you're not adequately challenged on these numbers. It's like, we'll, we'll build... 50,000 houses a year is not an idea. It's just it's just a statement. It's it's nonsense. And I think that people see through it. I think we're, you know, if like we're way past the point of that kind of nonsense should shouldn't be allowed to fly. Journalists should be challenging it more. And I think that Holly Kearns, ironically, and Ivana Bacic, like Social Democrats and Labour, they're always talking about the merging. I think they're both going the same direction, which is down the tubes in the next election. Um, and probably together holding hands. So, I mean, that's a form, I suppose that's a form of of merging in and of itself. But I I think that like, it's kind of, it's naive, but it's also kind of oddly arrogant. You know, like you, you, she's on the right side of everything. She's a media darling, so she kind of get away with it. But she should be doing better. Like she should do better than that kind of crap. Well, there's a couple, there's a couple of things I, I, I would observe about it, which is, is the first thing is that, it, it kind of implies, we say, oh, we'll build 50,000 homes a year when we get into power. I, it kind of implies that the government aren't building 50,000 homes yeah, a year because they just don't want to. They yeah. just don't care. And if only you elect Holly, well, she'll care enough to build 50,000 homes. And it's just yeah. about, if only we had, like, it, once you send Holly Kearns into the Department of Housing, she'll say to the civil servants, now, we're going to build 50,000 houses a year. Okay, then what? I mean, it's it's the reduction of politics down to the idea that a minister just goes into the department and says, "This is what we're going to do," and then it magically happens. It's the it's the she's of that generation, and, and unfortunately, we're both of it as well. Of uh, like our generation was ruined by the West Wing. It really was. It was it was like a generation of people who grew up watching President Bartlett say, "Oh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to appoint two Supreme Court justices and give both sides their way, and it's going to be miraculous." He would have been thrown out by his own party. Um. It's it, it like it's it's just this idea that 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 wishing something to be true hard enough is is the way to change the world, and the the only reason the world isn't exactly the way you want it is because bad people somewhere don't agree with you. No, it's because this stuff is bloody hard. Build fifty thousand houses a year requires an immense mobilization of the state in ways you probably haven't even thought of. Um, in, in, you know, it involves reforming planning regulations, maybe looking at building standards maybe um, talking to county councils to integrate their local plans with the national plan. You, all sorts of stuff that you, you haven't really thought of and you just you, you, you reduce it down to a, a we're going to do this. I mean, come on. But the second thing I'd say is that it's not stated badly enough or plainly enough how unimpressive a speaker Holly Kearns is. Um, and I know some people who don't like me will say that's a sexist comment. It's not. Mary Lou McDonald, who I don't agree with on basically anything, is a great speaker. How is it a sexist? Sorry. Because she's a woman. Like, it's her, she's not above criticism. Yeah, but, yeah. I would sort of say it. And, but the thing is... Sad, a sad face, like it's like kicking a puppy. Like, she's actively wanted to be the leader of the Social Democrats. So you're playing senior hurling now. You will be subject to some criticism, Saz. Like... Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's a symptom, John, of the fact that I agree that she's not, a, a, you know, a particularly good speaker. But I think another thing is that this, she's kind of like believes her own hype a little bit. That's the only thing I can come conclusion I can come to is at the end of the day, you can have a conversation and we can have conversations on this podcast about Dara O'Brien and what Dara O'Brien should and shouldn't be doing or whatever. But I know Dara personally, Dara is a smart guy and Dara is you know, he's the Minister for Housing. The fact that she thinks, of, what does she think he does? Do you think she, does she think he wakes up in the morning and so, and just has 15 missed calls from local authorities asking to build housing? He goes, nah, I won't ring them back. Like, how does she think it works? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like this arrogance that the media have made her into this kind of darling, like great white hope of the future. And she kind of believes it. And she thinks that she's going to go in there and do something that he's not doing and somehow deliver 50,000 houses a year. But if she is going to do I mean, it, it's, it's, it's quite possible. I, let's, um, by the way, I share your assessment of Dar O'Brien, who I think is trying his best, but let's not, he's not infallible. 
if she thinks she could go in there and do it better, then I think she has a basic duty to a thinking voter to spell out what decision she would make and not. Here you go. Here, here's, here's another. I, next year, uh, John, I plan on being Minister for Justice and I'm going to solve crime. Yeah, we're going to reduce crime. How, how I'm, are just, you going to, I'm going to solve it. I'm just going to solve it. Yeah, I'm just may, go away. Well, I'm going to fix the environment. <laughs> I'm going to make sure we hit our climate target. Um, you know, it's it's so easy to say this stuff, and and I think it's a test for voters as well. It's not only it's it, it's a test for voters to say, are you making the right demands of your politicians? Because I think too often we vote for this kind of crap, and we say, oh well, yeah, well I like the look of her, and she says she's going to build fifty thousand houses, so I'll, I'll I'll give her a go. Yeah. No, yeah. As, as a voter, when that ends up in a disaster, you have to take some responsibility for it. We, That's what we, I said last week. We have to yeah. be more mature. Vote number one for the girl who said she's going to fifth vote uh, build fifty thousand houses, and vote number two for the guy who fixed the road. Well, good luck with that. Don't moan later. Did you see the mugs they were selling at the conference? <laughs> they're 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 in purple and white and yellow, which is the the, uh, the Social Democrats Party colours. Now they don't have the Social Democrats Party name on them. They have the slogan: "Sex, drugs, and public services." Very what? That's the slogan on the mugs: "Sex, drugs, and public services." That means. Well, I think that's the Social Democrat offer. You you vote for them when you get sex, drugs, and public services. But they are in favour, I think, of legalising... What, what drugs? Oh, they're in favour of legalising drugs, are they? Yeah, and probably offering good public services. Now, I'm not sure about the sex part. I thought they believe in sex, as in gender. No, but I, I don't think they mean it in that sense. I think they mean it more in the kind of, like, Devonish in sense. Um, oh, um, my God. <laughs> Thankfully, no one's paying attention to them. That's the only. That's the good thing. I know. Look, if you are a sort of, if you are a sort of affection-starved person out there who's desperately looking for romance, my advice would be: don't join a political party for that. Yeah. Yeah. They're advertising. I mean, like, they're advertising sex and drugs in their political party. Chances are they're telling you a bit. But also, it's like sometimes Labour do that as well. It's like when you're trying to be cool, it's just no. Oh, like, it's as old as the hills. Uh, years ago, I think in one of these treaty referendums, young Fine Gael put out, like, started selling branded condoms with kind of like, yeah. I can't remember what the slogan was, but it was unbelievable. Gives me the ick. It gives yeah, me the ick. And they'd always be handed to you by some like wiry little lad with like with, with glasses 17 inches thick and, you know, mm-hmm. look on his neck. Sort of. I mean, I think that the. I don't know. I couldn't comment specifically on Holly Kearns's own personal seat, but I don't think the Social Democrats are on course to set the world on fire in the next general election. So thankfully, sex, drugs and public services aren't something we'll have to worry about in any great way. Well, I think her I think her own seat is in great risk, actually. She said she, she won the last seat in, in Cork South West the last time. Um, she, Fine Gael, did not win a seat there, which was a surprise. Um. Sinn Féin also didn't win a seat there. Michael Collins, who is the leader of the Independent Ireland Party, off the poll, he'll likely do the same the next time. Um, and all three of the biggest political parties will be competing for seats there. Holly Kearns pulled an inside straight to win that seat the last time, and she's certainly no cert to do it the next time. Yeah. And I don't think that, I, I think they're like, they, they got a bit of a bounce when she became leader, but I think that's pretty much gone. gone Almost entirely gone. Um, and I, 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 I just don't think any of it is setting, is inspiring anyone about anything, put it that way. Um, I think a lot of the politicians, and this goes across the board, like Sinn Féin are as bad, um, if not worse, actually, based on them deci- coming out. I mean, who on earth decided to come out from Sinn Féin and say that if the referendum doesn't pass, they'd run it again? That person should be removed from any kind of decision making uh, press release, press office role for forever, immediately. Do you not think on one level, I, I think they were trying to be very clever and it might backfired. Like Because I, I think that the... Yeah, that would be being clever. Yeah, because I think it gives people permission to vote no this time and give the government a bloody note. So I think what they're saying is on one level, um, it's uh, and I, I didn't actually think of this initially, it was a very clever Twitter friend pointed this out to me, that it's it's a way of saying to their people, uh, yeah, we're formally campaigning for a yes vote, but you know what? If you're a Shinner in good standing, uh, the Shinners would probably bring this referendum back better. So 
feel free to vote no. So in that sense, I think they might have been trying to like play a little game. But I think it'll backfire because people don't like the notion of being asked to vote again for something when they've already rejected it. So I think it's a case maybe of them being too clever by half. Well, I never really thought about that, maybe, but I think it was dumb either which way. Yeah, no, I, I agree with your assessment. I think it was dumb, but I think that might have been the motive. I think it might have been the motive of a kind of like a, a, a because Sinn Fein have formed for this stuff. Like, you know, I am perfectly comfortable saying on the record that I know for a fact that Sinn Fein canvassers on, for example, the topic of immigration will take an entirely different line on the doorsteps to one the national parties take. Like, you know, the, this isn't the national party, not the national party, as in the national Sinn Fein organization on the topic and they're saying one thing and then their canvassers at the doors are saying oh yeah we have we definitely tighten it up my god scandalous you're being sarcastic i detect this sarah but like it's it's something I, I, all parties do that to some extent but yeah. Sinn Féin are very bad for it. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think they might they be. They have to be because they have one media kind of profile and they're trying to be sort of legitimate and, you know, f- fancy pants and then on the door. But for their voters and their constituencies, they have to be something else. So, you know, fine, whatever. But I, I think that their political, you know, I mean, I think that they're, I think I, in my mind, thought that there was some kind of, and this happened with the Greens, it happens with the big parties, it happens across the board. But, you know, a party is kind of flying high and, and you know, starts to really, like, do really well. You kind of attribute it or over attribute it to sort of a, a, you know, a kitchen cabinet of smart people who are influencing and deciding and whatever. And in actual fact, I think a lot of the time it's just luck. And then mm-hmm. people who work in those jobs pat themselves on the back and think that they're Ireland's answer to Carl Rove. But really, they've just kind of accidentally stumbled blindly into some sort of sweet spot of the other guys doing so badly events, dear boy events and a couple of other things. And they think that it's them, but it's actually not. Yeah. Um, the Sinn Féin uh, strategy team at the moment is the same Sinn Féin strategy team that had them humiliated in the last local elections where they got about 12 percent. Exactly. So, so, you know, so, I, so, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And I think that I thought, even after the local elections, like I take your point that they did really well, but then there was kind of like anecdotally, you'd hear these kind of stories about how, you know, they went back to the ground to figure out what had gone wrong. They really applied it and blah, 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 blah. And then they did really well. And, you know, maybe there's an element of truth to that. But I think there's a lot of people in politics overall who it's like, you know, say a Fianna Fáil or a Fianna Gael person or whatever. And, you know, not anymore because things are much more, um, much more kind of volatile politically, but like years and years ago, you know, they kind of, you know, they'll have been elected as the Fine Gael TD for, you know, I don't know, wherever, like Cork South Central and, you know, 15 years in a row or three elections in a row. And they'll be considered this kind of like, you know, political kind of mastermind because of it. And it's like, yeah, but if Fine Gael are on 25% or 20% and you're the only candidate and you got elected, like a donkey would have got elected three times. Like you're not exactly Bill Clinton. So I think like, I, you know, people who are starting a race, a fi, you know, a hundred kilometre race, 25 kilometres ahead of everybody else because of, po- because of whatever the national number for their party is, aren't exactly political geniuses. And I think that I'm now beginning to suspect that that strongly about Sinn Féin. Like I think there's been a series of blunders on their part i think you know on so many things on immigration on these referendums on multiple multiple things like they're just not that good and they're like i've said they're tired they don't seem like they're ready to govern there's not a unified kind of feeling about them they don't have a lot of good ideas they they're there's just they they, they also have a talent deficit in the parliamentary party because a lot of people yeah a lot of people who got elected at the last election did not expect to get elected and were kind of running to fly the flag, and then they ended up getting elected, and they've kind of had to hide them. That's just but the reality. Even they do have, like uh, Louise Riley and stuff, they kind of, she kind of, I don't know, like I'm not sure she suits her current portfolio, and she was taken out of health, as far as I remember. You know, like it's overall, it's just it's it doesn't feel united. It doesn't feel kind of like a cohesive team. It doesn't feel like it's ready that you can kind of say this is how this slots in. It just seems a bit chaotic. It, it also it also doesn't feel like change. It doesn't feel yeah. like yeah. I, I don't think it feels like change. I don't think I I think that uh, tired is a good word for it because it doesn't feel like there's any energy there. But 
No, and I don't know what they're using their energy on because it certainly isn't on opposition. No. So. Well, I'll give you, give you an example of something where they have nothing to say, right? Because I said we talk about this topic. I don't know if I said at the start of the show, but I said to you for when we talk about this topic. Uh, and since we're we're heading towards the end of the show, I want to mention it. Sinn Féin had nothing to say about um, two events in, in Limerick Hospital this week, or at least one of them. Because um, in Limerick Hospital this week, we had another horrifying case. Um, and we can't say too much about it because... There's, there's an inquiry apparently ongoing, but what the Irish Independent, what Evan Murray and the Irish Independent reported was that a young girl went into the hospital with breathing difficulties, was left on a trolley, her mother repeatedly sought aid for her, it was given too late, and then her mother watched her dying on the trolley, um, in what were described as very traumatic circumstances. And that, that is horrific, because obviously we had the Eva Johnson case in that hospital a couple of months ago, which is very, very similar, and I can tell you as somebody who lives near that hospital, that people in this part of the world are terrified to go into it. And that, that is not an exaggeration because of the overcrowding, of the, the state of the hospital and so on. And on the same day that that story ran in The Independent about this latest girl to have lost her life, the UL Hospitals Group, which runs that hospital and several others in the region, launched a big announcement, which was that all their paediatric doctors and nurses are now going to wear badges with rainbows on them so that they can talk to children in the paediatric wards about their sexuality and that kids will feel comfortable talking to their doctors and nurses about their sexuality. And it just struck me of so emblematic of what's wrong in this country at the moment, which is they can't fix any big problems, but they'll try and paper over every crack with a rainbow. Um, and parents that I saw reacting to this news were horrified by it because all of them had the view, I'm sending my kid into a hospital to get better and you want to talk to them about whether they might be gay or straight or trans or non-binary or whatever it is. And they're saying, just treat my kid and leave that stuff to us. Um, and, and, and Sinn Féin have nothing to say about it. Nor, did, nor, nor, by the way, do any of the other opposition parties. It's the kind of thing that just goes through on the knot. You know, the, the, the rainbowing of everything continues apace. And people are, those people who are willing to talk about it um, are, are quite vocal. But the vast majority of, of decent, respectable people but, uh, keep their head down and move on. But John, if I send my kid into the hospital with appendicitis, like, what business is it of any doctor or nurses to talk to them about their sexuality? Well, exactly. This is the point. And, and if, the kid, if the kid does try and, because uh, I think I think what people on the other side of this argument would say about, oh, you know, well, maybe the kid doesn't have anyone to talk to at home, so we want to be sure that the hospital is a safe place. Maybe they form a bond with the nurse and they want to do they want to get this off their chest? Well, what about the nurse? Why, why is the nurse obligated to have that conversation with a child? Um, and but also, maybe the nurse has other, something else to do. Maybe that's not the time or place. Maybe there's somebody on a trolley down in the A&E dying because the nurse is up here talking to your kid about something. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, not everything is the time and place. Not or, the, every- or, or the venue. I mean, we pour all this money into into schools. Every school where kids are all the time has a, a, you know, a program and counsellors that can that kids can talk to about the stuff. Now, whether you agree with that or not, it's there. Why do we need it in hospitals as well? It, it is just this, and, and, and it's not so much, because I don't think this is ill-intentioned per se. I see people saying things like grooming online. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's about that. What I think it is, is, you know, in this country, the people who run it prioritise inclusivity over efficiency. So they don't really care they can't solve the problem of the hospital not working particularly well as a center for medication, but by God, they can make it inclusive. So we'll do that and prioritize that. Um, even though I can't imagine that there are many children who are in there and have their appendix taken out who are like, oh, thank goodness, the nurse is wearing a rainbow badge. I can finally come out. I mean, come on. Yeah, but it's, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It only matters what it looks like. And isn't that just a microcosm for the entire problem of uh, like so many things? Like Please. the hospital is not functioning. The hospital is not fit for purpose. The hospital is, you know, a, a, a terrifying place to go to if you're gravely ill because the standards are not high enough. But this is what we're going to focus our time and attention on. It's exactly the same principle as what I said earlier on about the referendum. You know, there's loads of issues that are affecting women like all the time. Things that could be done, you know, like childcare crash fees are a massive, massive thing that disproportionately affect women and their ability to go to work and earn money for themselves. But no, let's have a referendum about archaic land in the Constitution. That's a real win for the for Manon O'Hara. 
It's the same thing over and over again. It's like, let's spend money over here to make it look like we're making progress because we don't, we're not able to, can't, don't have the will, don't have the talent, don't have the ideas to address the big problem over there. Yeah. Like 99% of children who are going into a hospital setting are sick and, 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 and too sick to care about having a conversation with a nurse or doctor about their sexuality. Why is everybody so obsessed with talking to children about their sexuality? Well, that's that's another question, isn't it? Um, it, it really is. Like if I went down to the coffee, if I was in hospital with my kid and I went down to the coffee shop to get a coffee and came back upstairs and found a nurse talking to my kid about whether or not, you know, about their sexuality, I would freak out. I think a lot of parents would. Um, it's just, uh, but the other thing is the tinnieredness of it. To announce that on the day that that story broke in the Independent, you think somebody would have said, oh, well, we might hold this a couple of weeks. Um, oh, but that's another example of the self, lack of self-awareness. That's the same point as Leo. Let's talk about this in the week that his, like, let's talk about the shady, different, the 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 uh, finances of Grift and, and where it comes from in the week that I have been asked for the third time to declare mine property. Like, it's the lack of self-awareness because they all live in this kind of bubble where they think, you know, everyone in Ireland is really concerned about the huge epidemic of children in, in it's, it's very sick children in hospital who don't feel like they can talk about their sexuality with the doctor. Yeah, sure. Yep. Uh, look, we could talk about it all night. To be honest with you, I, even I'm getting sick of it at this stage. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we have to keep talking. But we, but you have, we have to like. Yeah, this is the point. We have to keep talking about it because no, no one else is talking about it. Number one. Yeah. And there are people out there who are seeing this, who might, and this this podcast might be, I hope it's not, but it might be the only place where you can be reassured that there are other people in the country thinking the same things that you're thinking. Yeah, and like it, I'm it, bored, I'm bored, bored, bored of talking about stuff like, um, I don't want my daughter to be in a changing room with a biological man, and I'm bored of it. I think, like, I take the, you know what I mean, the flack or the, you know, some, well, say people will say I'm transphobic. I don't care, but like, um, I'm bored of it. But I'm gonna just keep talking about it because if I I feel like if we if we stop talking about it, like these things just become they sneak in, they become kind of normalized. So no, oh, nobody had a problem with it. We're all we all agree. Sure, don't we all agree? This is progress. This is progress. This is progress. And but this no, this is the not. other thing. Sorry, go ahead. It's not progress, and I'll. Uh, like and all and men in women's changing rooms, men in women's prison, men in women's sports. I'll I'll argue and fight against that until my dying breath because it's wrong. Yeah, th- this is the other. I'm thing. bored, yeah. very bored of it. This is the thing that gets me as well because my whole since I started sort of commenting on public affairs far too early in life, but you know I've been been around and knocking about talking about stuff for twenty odd years, and the the thing that still gets thrown in my face inaccurately is that I'm some kind of religious Catholic conservative. I know, yeah. And I, I, I want to say again, I am not. And I, I say that to preface this by saying, I think like a lot of people in this country, I, I really have tried to embrace the notion of tolerance. Like I, I voted in favor of the, the same sex, sex marriage referendum because I bought that. It didn't affect me. Um, and, and also I, I, I think People being in happy, stable relationships is good for society. I don't want to live in a society where people are, you know, not feeling secure in their relationship or worried about if they die, what happens, yeah. any of that sort of stuff. I, I, I think, I think marriage is a fundamentally conservative institution. Actually, and that was. I, I know the people who listen to this who disagree with me, but that's where I was coming from on it. I am entirely tolerant of people with alternative lifestyles. If that's how they want to live. And that includes transgender people once they're adults. If you want to live your life as a woman because you feel more comfortable dressing in those clothes and being called by that name, then more power to you. I have no issue with that. But the point is, that why is that never enough? Why is my tolerance never enough? Why, why must it always be pushed further into now I have to I'm only tolerant if I agree with nurses in hospitals talking about sex and children or 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 you're I, only tolerant if you believe and say like like I always say if somebody comes into my house and they're transgender and they want to be called this name or they or they want to be a woman and they were born a man or whatever I'll be absolutely as polite and you know treat them with the absolute respect I don't I'm not 
mean or cruel to anybody or whatever. That's fine. But they want me to believe it. Yeah. Like, it's not just an, like, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. Like, I, if you want that and you want to be called a woman and you want this and you want that, that's fine. Like, I'll call you whatever will be nice and respectful. And I absolutely agree that you should have all the rights and everything that you want, whatever. But you're not, bio, like, biological. I believe in science. So that's the way I feel. And I'm not. In, in, the, in the UK now, there's this, there's this, and I'm not saying this to be shocking. This is a genuine thing that's happening. There's, there's an a ongoing argument between the transgender rights movement on one hand and, and what you would have called the lesbian movement on the other hand about whether or not it is homophobic for lesbian biological women to refuse to have relationships with trans women. And like if being kind has gotten to the point where your kindness now requires you to suppress your innate sexual orientation to accommodate somebody else who believes that they're a woman, but that is no longer about tolerance. That is now oppression. <laughs> there are lesbians. When are you allowed to tell people? But since when are you allowed to tell people that they should fancy? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's bizarre. It, it's the equivalent of me going into a bar um, when I was at my heaviest, going up to the most attractive woman in the place and saying, "Can I have a date?" And if she says no, I accuse her of being fat forward. That that's. That's the equivalent. Like, I, I, I'm well, it's no, sure. Because you want, then you want to have her arrested for being fat. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't have worked. By the way, which is the other insane thing about it. This is the other insane thing about it. Like, it's not going to work. People are not going to want to sleep with you because you tell them they should. That's not how any of that works. Um, it, but even getting away from that, even the stuff about you know. You're 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 intolerant if you've got a problem with, with drag story time in libraries. No, no, I'm sorry. I, I I don't think it's in the public interest for people who on a Saturday night perform sexually explicit performances in gay bars to then be in a library on a Sunday morning doing pretty much the same performance minus a few twerks here and there to three and four year old kids. I don't and, think that's appropriate. And on Saturday night, fill your, you know high high red leather boots do what you like like whatever i mean i don't think that's the kind of thing i'd go to but there's loads of things i wouldn't go to like i'm not really interested in like soccer i'm not you know what I mean? like whatever do whatever you like if you want a list of things you wouldn't go to sarah i highly recommend reading the 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 event list for the st patrick's day festival in dublin <laughs> yeah no i think i'll be fine on that one actually that's all that's another thing that's that's another event that's fallen as far as i'm concerned um, um, but it, it's 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 just it's it's always pushing the limits it's like do whatever you like but i don't think you should be in women's changing rooms or women's prisons like i'm sorry but that's just, just the way i feel about it i don't want to be mean to anybody i don't want to be cruel and i think ultimately i think that you know we've had this conversation before where i think like the funny thing is that the majority of people side with me which is do what you like and be who you want to be and I'll call you whatever you want and I'll treat you with absolute respect. But I don't, but I, I like you can't make me, I, like you can't, I don't think that you should be in women's sports and, you know, I, I don't think you should be in women's prisons and we need to figure out a way to make that as kind as possible. But that's the way I feel about it. And yeah, I, I did, and by the way, on that topic of being mean, because I think that's a really important one. Because in that situation where somebody walks into my house and and, and says, you know, it doesn't say, but I know, for example, they were born Joe, but now they want to be called Josephine. And they're, I'm not going to go up to them and say, you're a man. Yeah. But, and you're not going to keep but, going, Joe, 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 to try and humiliate them. Because if you did, you'd just be kind of a dick. But if that same person shows up and says, I now want to play on the under 14 girls GAA team, I am going to go up to them and go, but you're a man. Like, so, well, that's why you're a bigot, John. Just exactly. That's the but but the context the context does matter. I mean, and and this is the 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 issue of the shifting definition of tolerance in our society. Like tolerance is the tolerance is not acceptance. They are different. You don't tolerate things that you approve of. The whole point of being tolerant is that you it's essentially no word for putting up with, right? And it should be thought of that way. It means that you you are you put up with stuff you don't necessarily agree with and you're 
you, you respect other people's rights to disagree. But when it starts impinging on you, you have a right to say, I'm not going to put up with it. Anymore. But that's the, 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 the you know, this is the thing that a lot of people like it's their, you know, their their moral virtue is their tolerance. But there's loads of people. There's loads of people we know who listen to this podcast, who listen to this podcast because they disagree with everything we say and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, like people we know, like it's been said to me, people in labor, people in different parties listen to this podcast and they're like, you know, they go around and they're so tolerant or whatever. But like if you're listening and you're, you know, you go around and you say, you know, trans rights and all this kind of stuff or whatever, like, are you tolerant or are you terrified? Like, really ask yourself. Yeah. Like, do you really believe it? Or are you just too scared? You'll get into trouble with the with the people who you need and the people who you think vote for you to say the truth. Because I think I know the answer. And I think I do too. And I think that's a good place to leave it for this week because we've gone over an hour, but it's a it's an interesting and provocative final thought as ever from you, Sarah. And we will leave the listeners with us until the same time next week. But until then, thank you as ever for joining us. Thank you for all your comments. We didn't get to read any out this week because I was too annoyed at Leo Bradker. We'll do some of that next week. But until then, that was another edition of the week that really was. Thanks a million for listening.